Welcome, and thank you for listening to Grace Heritage Church Audio, building a household of faith on a foundation of grace. Visit us online at graceheritage.org. Please stay tuned after the message for more information. Thank you. Let's, um, let me pray for, for Bobby and Kelly, and also just kind of open, open us in prayer before we get started. Oh, Father, we do trust in you. God, we, we embrace by faith the, the truth that you are sovereign over all affairs of our lives. But God, it doesn't make it easy. Often we don't know what your purposes are. I pray for um, renewed uh, trust and, and faith in you for Robbie and Kelly as they undergo this trial um, for the remaining weeks until their marriage and for the struggle um, that it appears to be um, that will be. Pray for continued healing from the surgery. Lord, we pray that if, if it is your will and your kindness, Lord, would you please allow them, if by some chance, to have children or perhaps put adoption on their heart. Um, we do pray you would comfort them in this time. And God, help us now as we, as we turn um, our attention to reflection, to thinking about the passage um, this morning, that you would help us to, to consider and think about it, Lord, and help us to make proper application. pray you would guide us in this, in Christ's name. I don't really know, sounds bad, exactly how to go about doing this because I haven't um, been a part of one of these. It seems like we've been in the nursery or out of town or I think Katie wasn't feeling well, so I skipped out one Sunday. So <laughs> I'm at your mercy. <laughs> Be nice, please. Um, I don't know if, I guess just kind of start out. I have some reflection questions uh, on the back of the sermon handout. And I was, to be honest, a little consumed with the sermon itself. And so I'm not very good at asking good questions. Um, so this is, the, this is the work at 1.30 in the morning that I was trying to do last night. That being said, I don't know if this spurs on any thoughts, but I think maybe before we even consider that, if there are any, um, is there any questions or comments or would you like me to clarify something, I'll try my best. Just kind of open it up for that first. Is that what I'm supposed to do? Sounds good. good. Well, let's think out loud together then. Um, Why why does Peter place so much emphasis on reminding? Why do we see that keep recurring? What What does that reveal about our tendency? wander distracted. distracted I don't know what I'm looking for sorry <laughs> um, you can it's easy to just talk about that but it is the reality that we do need to remind ourselves of these things because that is our nature, because we're prone, that that's simply the struggle, is that we, we lose sight of what the end goal is and, and God's purpose is. Um, that is a challenge. I guess that's a little bit more personally ended um, in terms of the challenge for the week to think about. 
I wanted to, the big part of the passage that I didn't particularly dwell on in any great depth um, are the various qualities. Um, that's the, the part I knew I couldn't say everything about that I left out. Um, not to insinuate I said everything. Anyhow, so I wanted to, to focus on on those different qualities and to kind of to kind of think out loud about that, I guess. Um, I made the the point that the faith is the essential link that connects our work to God's work. The, what What's said in verses 3 and 4 there and then what follows as to be our response. That faith is central. That If we neglect that, that's the foundation. We can't expect to see growth. Um, and so it's the implication to me seems to be that faith is required for us to see growth in all of these other areas as well. Um, so I guess let's just kind of work through the list a little bit, starting with virtue, to kind of talk about what, what that means, and then you see the questions there. We'll go through each one of those um, just to kind of to think, what, what is that ringing to mind, and how might it require faith to grow in that virtue? Um, perhaps an, an example of ways in which we would, we would face a challenge to grow in that virtue, share common personal experiences or hypothetical. Um, so what, what do you think is meant by virtue? Does anybody have any other translations other than the ESV? What does that? Moral excellence. Purity. Goodness. Um, what does that? What does that tend to, to bring to mind? Um, righteousness. Right into righteousness. Certainly, it's all it's all kind of connected in some sense. Um, where might you be? Where might you have the opportunity to grow in virtue? What might be an example? An example, maybe a personal example. It's um, the translation moral excellence kind of, uh, if you take that as the translation, it kind of brings back the idea, what it says in verse 3 when it refers to God's excellence. So, um, That's sort of what I thought of when Mark was sitting. It comes under the I think it does draw. Go ahead. And I, backing up even further, it, it brought to my mind that um, the virtue or the righteousness begins from within. 
right, right thinking precedes right action or right doing. Um, but <clears throat> that whole idea to connect the righteousness and all those ideas, it, the virtue, it does <clears throat> draw our attention to God's qualities, being righteous, being virtuous, <clears throat> His glory and excellence. And it's calling us to live, in that sense, reflecting His very nature. Richard? To look, yeah, to look to the scriptures as as to see an example of what that looks like. Certainly, um, let me to kind of explain, I guess, what I meant by how might faith be required to grow in virtue. For this one, perhaps maybe I give an example of something that I was thinking through. Um, the world calls us to a certain understanding of excellence, success, you know, financial. You know, you've made it. That's what makes you excellent in the world's eyes. And God has another standard of excellence. <clears throat> and it requires faith on my part to believe that God's definition of excellence and virtue offers more reward and is, is better than the world's definition. So I face, face a, uh, a fork in the road, so to speak, uh, to determine whether or not I'm going to live by faith when an issue comes before me. Will I... Will I, how will I choose to respond to this come Monday when I'm at work? Um, will I see and believe what God defines as excellence and what he calls me to and go that way? Or will I not and, and go and kind of embrace the, the worldly mentality? So I guess it's kind of what I'm getting at as to how you see in faith incorporated um, as a foundation to some of these different things. And that's difficult to think of. I don't think on that level and typically. So I don't know if that spurs any Do you have that there? Do you want to read do you want to read it for us? That's the confidence we that we embrace.
maybe perhaps move on to um, to knowledge. Consider what that what that might bring to mind. What, what's the knowledge referring to? This was probably the hardest one for me. So we could just skip it and go to the next one. No. No. That would be. I meant to come back to it, not altogether. So um, does anybody have. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. application, certainly. Um, I don't know. I didn't do like a language study to see what what word is being there as opposed to um, where it talks about knowledge in verse 3. So I don't know whether it specifically is referring to doctrinal knowledge necessarily, wisdom and head mental, kind of those, or whether it's experiential and practical. And I, I think maybe I'd be inclined to think that, um, that there's both and that they do go together, um, that it's calling us to both of those things. Exactly. And <clears throat> one essentially leads to the other. If if we're called to here to give ourselves to doctrinal knowledge, well, the way in which we do that is by reading the Scriptures, and the Scriptures reveal to us God and His nature. So essentially it draws us into an experiential knowledge of knowing Christ more. So it involves knowing more of the facts about Him and then growing in that process of knowing Him personally in that sense as well. How might that require faith? Can you think of a temptation against that growth in knowledge um, and how it might require faith to to act on it.
the t- pointing back to faith, you mean? Just seeing that connection there in the foundation. Yeah. And, and in a sense, as we go through that list, I mean, it's kind of the same answer that you keep going back to when it talks about the, you know, when you can essentially end up at the same answer for each of those second questions because you look back to faith in, or in the same way and rest on that and what God has revealed. Um, self-control. What is, <clears throat> what does that bring to mind? What might be the, the opposite of that? Well, the opposite would be like giving into temptation all the time. Um, like falling back to things like, um, like it says uh, later in, in the passage, or eager to uh, make your calling and election sure. Or if they don't have self-control, they're just going to go with kind of you, you, you don't have as good of a relationship with, with uh, Christ and you also uh, become a, a poor witness. Since I, um, one of the verses uh, I quoted was in Ephesians chapter 2 where it talks about how um, we formerly indulged in the flesh and in worldliness, and those were the passions that consumed our hearts, and that was what we that was what we acted on, and what the scripture is essentially calling us to by self-control is the opposite of self-indulgence, and to no longer indulge in those things, but rather to even use that language to indulge in God in that sense, and to to find and draw satisfaction from Him, which helps us control those passions for other things. what you said about the trials that kind of brings up the next the steadfastness what that kind of communicates is the is the persistence and a patience particularly i think it has in mind like suffering so that when hardships come you rest on exactly what you just said you're resting back on faith during those things um perhaps joshua a verse to encourage your brother with um and we all face various struggles by way of encouragement there to embrace faith and believe that God's purposes in suffering are good, um, that we might remain steadfast in that. Uh, I'll just run through the last the last three, kind of giving some thoughts on those, and you can think about it more, kind of move on. Um, godliness. Spurgeon, um, I've heard Spurgeon refer to godliness or describe it as for us to be godlike, 
um, as much as the finite can be like the infinite. So, to be godly, to live, is, or to, to pursue godliness is to try to pursue to be like God as much as that's possible in our fallen nature. Um, Temptation for me is the fact, and for all of us, is the fact that the world doesn't prize necessarily at all. The world doesn't prize godly qualities. It doesn't doesn't prize the things that God calls us to. And so there's a just simple example of where we need to embrace um, the fact that God has called us to reflect his own image. And God has called us in pursuing and purposing to make us like Christ, to make us like himself, and calls us to be, be pursuing those things, those types of qualities as we live day to day. Brotherly kindness and love sort of go hand in hand, but brotherly kindness being preference to, to the believers. Um, we talked a lot about that back in Mercy Ministry, for those of you who are here. Um, love seems to be more universal in scope. Um, and the interesting thing about love is that it's not so much based on the worth of the recipients, but rather the nature of the giver. So when God is described as loving, it's not... Um, the word there is, is communicating not that we're worthy of that love, but that He, in His nature, has chosen to give us of that love. So when we take and apply that to others, and we're commanded to love other people uh, and to grow in that quality, it it takes faith in that sense to people are not lovable necessarily. Um, we can apply that to brotherly kindness. I'm not very lovable sometimes. Just ask my wife. And um, we're called to called to those things, um, despite the fact, you know, to to know what the purpose, the truth is. Moving on with that, um, if you discover that you're lacking in one of these qualities, you, you see a deficiency, particularly in, in one of these. What should be the response? You know, what what sort of things the scriptures call us to do in light of this passage, and what sort of things is should we not do? promises to do that what um, what might be the the next step after confessing or seeing repenting what's the next step that we that we're called to in the gospel to act on in in faith and you see how that becomes essential there um, week to week in a bulletin I don't know if you notice this but there's the remembering the gospel. Kevin read that for us. And that's purposeful because we do need to be reminded of that. And we do struggle with that tendency of thinking as the gospel as something one thing that we that we embrace and we believe and then we move on to something else. When, as Paul calls us to very often, we need to constantly remember the gospel and place faith in Christ, repent of our sins, ask for forgiveness, and then and then go and trust that He will 
continue to work in us, helping us. Um, and that he has redeemed us not simply from the penalty for that sin in our initial justification and forgiving us, but that he also desires to and helps us to, or to, to release us, redeem us from that power of sin. That it that doesn't need to be, sin does not need to master us. So if you struggle with lust or something like that, that we're required or we're told to, to believe that, um, to first confess it, but then also to believe in the higher promises of God, that we do not need to submit to those things that we can we can deny in light of what God promises. So, you see, that makes sense. Or... You know, this particular question uh, refers almost back to self-control. The verse in self-control that I was thinking of is that, that self-control has to do with the will, doesn't it? Yeah. That's the motivation that we're banking on, is is what God promises. What what should we not do in light of this passage? What things are we do we not do? I know what what's your tendency when when you see a deficiency? Um, I think different personalities are probably prone to different things. What's a what's a reaction to sin when you see sin? Does it how does it make you? Respond. Make lists. Do you see that that takes you beyond just the list to almost a legalistic mentality? Yeah. So is what we kind of do whenever we have this list of things to do. Just kind of take it, take it beyond what is intended, and, and make a legalistic. Um, what are some other responses of, of reacting to your sin that you think are probably not biblical responses? Despair. Despair. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of. I think that's kind of how I would be. Oh, woe is me! <laughs> I'm never gonna make it, and. Uh, and that kind of goes hand in hand, I think, with with legalism. Because when I feel that way, I think I gotta act better, gotta do it, I gotta pull myself up by my bootstraps, and and kind of instead of what we need to do is believe that God is working this work in us, and by faith sort of tap into that, I guess, um, claim those promises, so to speak, as being true, and then we can run. Because that's what's motivating us. Um, so those are two, the two things that I had in mind, actually. Um, despairing and legalism kind of go hand in hand. Um, in verse 8, it refers to the practicing the qualities will keep us from being ineffective or unfruitful. It seems to imply that they're, by practicing the qualities that we will be effective 
and fruitful. Um, what might that mean? What does it mean to be reflect, effective and fruitful? What's it referring to in particular in the passage? Verse 8. And knowing God. Back to what we talked about earlier when we talked about knowledge being both of those elements of doctrinal and the way that Kevin explained those working together. What we're trying to do is is grow in those things. And so if we if we're growing in these different qualities, that in effect deepens or strengthens the relationship with Christ um, and, knowing, and knowing Him in that sense and also about Him. Um, five, I think I mentioned this perhaps in the sermon. Kind of uh, brings to mind something Paul, Paul was talking about last week in the sermon. Um, just how, I think it was from two weeks ago actually, how we become distracted sometimes by, um, we lose the fact that God is calling us to himself and not to the things of the faith. And we very often become distracted just kind of kind of like that. I can remember. Yeah. How that bears out in all those different areas. I can remember, you know, wanting to have all the stars <laughs> in Sunday school. And, uh, and working hard toward that, I, totally losing sight of the fact that what I was supposed to be doing is memorizing the verse or whatever it was, you know, so that I would gain knowledge and grow in knowledge of Christ. And so we can easily become distracted by the, the structure, so to speak. Um, so it calls, again, faith in, in cor- to incorporate faith there, that we, we believe and embrace what it is that we're actually being called to. We're looking toward that and not being distracted by good things or bad things. Um, Satan certainly uses to to distract us and entice us to other things around us. What happens when we neglect or minimize God's work and Christian growth? Where would you find yourself? If you just totally take that out of the equation and you don't even want to consider it at all. Pride. Where's the Where's the faith being channeled now if it's not to God's power to to our own power um, I think that's it's where we often go when we end up being legalistic I think I mentioned that in the sermon um, which leads me to despair <laughs> that I'm hopeless because I can't do it I mean Christ tells us that I think maybe it's 
say, I know, I know you're the YouTube. Get, get, kind of made a, a, a similar uh, 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 comparison in the messages more about like, you know, swimming upstream. It's like, it's like if you're in like a motorboat going upstream and uh, you neglect God's work, it's like forgetting about this, this motorboat over there, so just jump out into the, into the river. Start swimming yourself. <laughs> Instead of relying on him to carry the, the motivation there, it's a good example. What uh, on the opposite extreme? If we neglect our own, what's required of us? If we just kind of minimize that or neglect it, it's a result. Yeah. What was it, Jeff? Steal the boat. <laughs> steer the boat. Okay. I said steal. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to have to do some counseling? <laughs> uh, yeah, what Jennifer said, we, we despise God's grace. I don't know if you've, um, the idea of cheapened grace, if you've heard that or read about it, you know, that we, we kind of minimize the importance of what God has done and what his intentions were in lavishing us with that grace. And so when we, when we, um, minimize our effort that he requires and he tells us to do or minimizing what his intentions and his plan you know it's like pointing at his design and saying this is messed up you know you didn't do this right I would have done it I would have done it this way um, anyhow those are something to think about and um, I don't letting you out seven minutes early well, not about the time so probably you've had to listen to my voice long enough so thank you for forbearing there's evidence of steadfastness and growth in that quality. Um, are there any other prayer requests that anyone would like to share that we might pray for one another, encourage one another throughout the week? Would anybody else, somebody else like to close us? Would you close us, Kevin? Thanks. Thank you for listening. Grace Heritage Church meets in Auburn, Alabama. Services are held at 9.30 a.m. on Sunday morning at the Best Western on the corner of college and university.